Now, I come from Oklahoma, so this, this time of year, that connects with me a little bit. All right, this time of year, it is tornado sirens every couple of days. I remember when we first moved to Oklahoma City or back to Oklahoma City, uh, I guess this would have been in 2015, we were down in our storm shelter for uh, every other day, it seemed like, for a couple-month period. And we kind of live down there, and it's hot and muggy. So the, the theme of storms really resonates with me. And we talked about how because of what Jesus went through on Good Friday— Um, You and I don't have to go through the storms of life alone. Uh, God's with us. Now, I think about a physical storm, but what I'm really talking about is the the difficulties, the challenges that we go through in our lives. God is with us. We said that Jesus went through the darkest moment, the most violent storm, so that you and I don't have to. And then last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we talked about the theme of blood. And we said that blood reminds us about the limitless love that comes from our limitless God. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross is evidence that God loves us at all costs. Can I hear amen this morning? Mm. So today we're going to wrap up our our Easter message series, and we're going to talk about the incredibly, incredibly important Easter theme of mission. We're going to talk about mission today. Now, the theme of mission is so important to the Easter story, and again, it's something that we see all throughout God's Word. The God of the Bible is a God on mission, and His people have always had a mission And that mission has always centered around God's plan uh, for redeeming all peoples to himself. Now, think about this for a second. When you hear the word mission, what's the first uh, image or theme or, or phrase that comes to mind? It's more of a rhetorical question, but when you hear the word mission, what comes to mind this morning? I'd like for you to think about that for a second. You know, I think for many of us, uh, mission often represents something that's intangible. All right, so work that's being done in a distant land, all right? Maybe it's, it's out of sight, out of mind, and, and we, we talk about how we give towards mission, but we don't really physically get involved with it very much. So maybe for many of us, it, mission represents something that's being done uh, far away. For others, it might describe a task that God's given to a select few uh, people, individuals who are uniquely called, uniquely qualified, and willing to drop everything in life and just go uh, maybe to a new place. And then for others here this morning, when you hear the word mission, maybe you think about uh, guest speakers that come in and talk about missions around the world, or you think about a missions conference where you go and you're maybe more of a spectator. You listen and you learn about missions. But what if I told you that God has a mission for this body of believers? And instead of being intangible, this mission is tangible. And it's a mission designed with you in mind. Specifically you. Not just the the body of believers, but you as an individual. I, I believe that God has a special word for his church this morning. And as we talk about, again, this incredibly important theme of mission, my prayer this week has been that our hearts and our minds would be open to God's leading in our life this week. Open to how he wants to challenge us. Open to how he wants to use us and how he wants to grow us this season. So let's open with a word of prayer and then we're going to dive into the message today. Father, we thank you again for this time. Uh, that we're able to come together as the church, not just in this place, but all across the world this morning. Other places and different time zones have already met. But Lord, I just ask that you would guide our time today, that this would be for your glory and for our good. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach us through your word, that it wouldn't necessarily be the things that I say, but people would just take your written word with them 
They would learn. They would, uh, through, through your uh, witness and direction, God, you would help us apply that, those truths to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So this morning, uh, for, for our Easter series, we've, we've looked in, into the Old Testament quite a bit, but we've also come back to the book of Matthew. And we've just kind of been going through the book of Matthew a little bit for this Easter series. And today we're going to arrive at the end of Matthew's gospel. And here we see that Jesus, Jesus has risen from the grave. And uh, as we read this, we see that he first appears to Mary Magdalene and then another woman named Mary. And we, we don't know too much about her backstory. There's been people who've tried to connect the dots and say that she was the mother of you know, certain people, but we, we really don't know. So Jesus first appears to these two Marys. And what's interesting is that these were, these, these were the last two people to leave Jesus' side when he was laid to rest in the tomb. And then we read, these are the first two people that Jesus reveals himself to um, as risen Lord. Now, we're not going to talk about this too much today, but I think this is, there's an important message here for all of us, and that is this, that Jesus reveals himself to the faithful. You see, even when things couldn't have been any worse for Mary Magdalene and, and this other Mary, they stuck by Jesus' side. And these were the first two people that he revealed himself to when he was risen from the grave. So I believe there's a lesson there that Jesus reveals himself to the faithful. Now, as you can imagine, if you tried to put yourself in the shoes of these two women for a minute, as you can imagine, they're filled with so much joy, so much excitement. God's word tells us they actually they hurry away from the tomb, running to tell the other disciples about what they'd seen. And when the disciples were told about Jesus' resurrection, we read that some of them believed and worshipped, and then some of the disciples uh, stood in disbelief. They had, they had a little bit of doubt going on. And again, we're not going to talk about this too much today, but there's a lesson there as well. Some of these disciples had been with Jesus for three years, and here Jesus is risen from the grave, and some of them are still wrestling with doubt. And church, I would say this this morning, that doubt is okay. Doubt is okay, and often God will get a hold of your doubt, and he'll grow it into greater faith. What an awesome theme and story we see here. So we see that some of them worshipped, some of them doubted, but we read that all of them, they got together and they moved to a place called Galilee. They, 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 they went there together just as they were instructed by Jesus, and this is where we see the theme of mission once again. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 28 and uh, verse 16 through 20. This will be a very familiar passage today, but we'll also have the words on the screen. So it says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when he saw them, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And, and Jesus says, be sure of this. And this is a promise for the church today. Listen to this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that I would ask for you to write down is this, that the mission, the mission is to make disciples. The mission is to make disciples. Many of you will recognize this passage as the Great Commission. You know, when I was reading this this week, I was thinking about this. You know, sometimes in our, in our own lives, 
when we have a friend or, or a family member who's, who's dying or, or leaving us, his or her last words is often extremely important. And while these weren't the very last words that Jesus spoke before ascending to heaven, they, they were among the last set of instructions that Jesus would have given directly to his followers. And when we read the Great Commission, we see that there's four main elements. We read about how we should go. We should make disciples. We should baptize and we should teach. And what's, what's interesting is that when you go back to the original Greek language, only one of these elements is a verb of command. Only one of these elements is the mission that Jesus is, is passing on. The other three words are what we would call participles. And these words tell us how to carry out the mission or the command that Jesus is giving us. So let's, let's put this into terms that we can all understand this morning. And I think a great tangible example. If you were to tell your kids or your grandkids uh, to go clean their room, all right, and in order for them to clean their room correctly, they have to pick up all their toys, they have to make their bed, they, they have to put dirty laundry away, and there might be a list of, of other things. And, and actually, this week I was thinking about this illustration, and uh, last Saturday we met to, you know, let the kids hunt for Easter eggs and things like that, and I was thinking, how in the world are, are kids able to pick up 2,000 Easter eggs in 10 minutes, and they can't pick up five toys in their room in two hours? I mean, I will never understand <laughs> It is so fast. I have a slow-mo video of them running out of the building, and they are just like, they're booking it. And you ask them to clean their room, and it's like, did you clean their room? No. Will you go clean their room? No. And it is just on and on and on. So in your appeal to your kids or your grandkids, their mission is to clean their room. Uh, Picking up their toys, putting away dirty laundry, making their bed. Uh, These are the specific set of instructions that, that you give them to help them complete the mission. All right. Does that make sense? That's how we're going to think about the Great Commission. The mission of the Great Commission is to make disciples. That's the overarching mission that we've been given. And we've talked about in past sermons uh, what it means to be a disciple, right? We've, and still to this day, the best definition that I've heard is this, that a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. Jesus calls us to be disciples, individuals, men and women who learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. And in that disciple-making process, we're called to make more disciples. So we're supposed to be a church of disciples who make more disciples. That's our mission. And we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. So the mission church is to make disciples. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this, that we accomplish our mission by going. We accomplish our mission by going. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. See, when Jesus told his disciples to go, and and you see this, a thread of this all throughout the New Testament, he was instructing them to go wherever the good news, wherever the gospel was needed most. So I want you to think about that. Anytime it's a, a, a trigger almost, when you hear the word go, Think about it in terms of going where the gospel is needed most. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me. What's this word? Oh, come on, we can do better than that, church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me. Everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends 
of the earth. We know that the book of Acts uh, picks up right where the Gospels leave off. And it paints for us a picture of what the early church looked like and how their mission would have been carried out, how they would have viewed this mission that God gave them. You know, church, as, as a local body of believers, as OCC, we have been given the awesome responsibility of sharing the good news here at home, in our state, in our country, and around the world. But here's the kicker. As we think about these things, as we think about being a church on mission, a church that uh, is alive and active, seeking to carry out the mission that Jesus has given us, we should go where the gospel is needed most. Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but, a, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And, and we know in Jesus' life that he spent a lot, of his, a lot of his time ministering to the people who didn't think they had it all together. Right? He spent a lot of time with sinners and, and tax collectors. He spent a lot of time with outcasts and the marginalized, the people in, in society whom nobody else valued. That's who Jesus ran to. That's, as Jesus would, would go, that's where he went. As a disciple of Jesus, remember, someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. I believe that we should also have a presence in the places and around the people that others simply write off. I believe that's part of what it means to to be a disciple. That church, we should have a presence in the places that other people just write off. Around the, the people that nobody else wants to spend time with. We should go where the gospel is needed. So I was thinking this week, it would be fun to celebrate a little bit. Um, you know, when we had our friend from Lincoln Christian University down, we had dinner with him the night before, and he said, as I visit uh, smaller churches and, and mid-sized churches and larger churches, he's in a different sized church almost every week. He said, one of the things that churches really fall short in is they don't take time to celebrate. They don't take time to celebrate all that God is doing. So this week, I just wrote down a few things. And, and again, I'm going to mention just a couple things that are, maybe are new things going on in the church. This isn't an extensive list of all that God is doing. So if something that you're involved in doesn't get mentioned, it's not personal at all. I just want to mention a few things that I see that God is doing. And we'll take time to just celebrate that together. Uh, the first thing is, is this, is love local. Um, Jack mentioned this in, in his uh, portion of the service today. Love Local is, is an all-church effort so that we would have a lasting impact for Jesus right here in our own community. It's taking serious that call to go and, and be present with people who need the gospel. And through Love Local, our mission is to, is to pray, uh, to give, and to serve. And every couple of months, we have a team right here in our church that picks a different ministry or organization here in our community. And uh, we, we've find a way that we can uh, raise a target amount of, of funds in the church as you give generously. And then we plan a time where we're going to serve, physically be involved with the things they're doing. And then we have a time where we're going to pray. And I want to just tell you this morning, and, and I think we can put our hands together and give God a hand for this. We have already reached our target goal of, of giving uh, to New Horizons. So let's give God a hand in, in the glory for that this morning. 
And again, thank you guys for giving. Thank you for your generosity. I mean, that really what helps what, what helps this get off the ground. The second thing is the uh, the serving element. And on May fourth, we've got a team of people from the church going over to New Horizons, and we're going to build a, a play gym for some of the kids and the residents, the families that are there. Again, that, that's an awesome way to just be uh, directly involved. And then on May fifth, this is in your bulletin as well. On May fifth, Sunday night, we're going to have a worship and prayer service, and this is for the entire church. We want you to come and worship together, and then we're going to break off into groups, and we're going to pray specifically for the needs of New Horizons. So Love Local, it's all about praying, serving, and giving. We want to leave a lasting impression for Jesus in this community. And church, this is a way that everybody can get involved, from the youngest of of kids in our church to the oldest member. Everybody can be involved. The second thing I want to talk about today is the online podcast that we do. Many of you have already used this. Um, When you're not at church, you're able to go back and listen to messages that have been on Sunday morning. Um, Connor sent me some statistics this week. We've had over 1,400 sermons listened to in eight months. 1,400. And here's the crazy part. About a fourth of that is here in our own community. Uh, The other three-fourths of that are around our country and around the world. We've had people listening in, in Miami. We've had people listening in Hawaii. I think I know which church member that was. We've, uh, we've had people listening in California, uh, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, people we're, we're probably never going to meet, but they're, they're logging on and they're just hearing the message preached. We've, we've had people listening in, in Istanbul, in a completely different country. How awesome is that, church? That the message is able to go get out faster than we can carry it. All right, God is able to do so much with this. So online podcasts, you know, and I think that really today the front door of the church is no longer the front doors that most of us walk through on Sunday morning. I think the front door to the church is right in front of our face. Most people are, are, this is where their phone is. This is where their tablet is. And we have to be willing to go where the gospel is needed. Church, an online podcast, that is one of the ways we're doing that. So that's exciting. Uh, Another thing is we're talking about online streaming. And what this is going to do is take that a step further as a church. Uh, This fall, we're hoping to launch uh, live streaming for our services. So if you're a family in the church and you're traveling, um, or you know someone, a coworker who would never step foot inside of a building, or you know a college student who's just moved to the area, you can say, hey, log on on Sunday morning. You don't have to give any information or anything like that. You can just watch the service. You can, you can participate in that way. You can see, see and experience the worship. You can hear the message. And hopefully that would be a way that people would see that, hey, it's, it's a lot better to be here physically. Amen? It's so much better to actually be present. That, that's the goal. We would have people watch it and then come. So the services starting this fall are going to be live streamed. We're going to have an online host that's going to pray with people as they watch and answer questions about the sermon as, it, as I go through the message. It's going to be a great way to serve. And I, I believe right now, today, there's people in this room, you might, not ha- you might not even have a clue, but that's the ministry that God's calling you to serve in. And you're going to make a huge difference for the, difference for the kingdom. It's going to be a great thing. So the first step, guys, in, in fulfilling our mission, uh, the mission of making disciples is to go. We go where the gospel is needed. Uh, in our mission to make disciples, we're also commanded uh, to baptize. So if you're taking notes this morning, this will be the third thing that I have you write down, that we accomplish our, mem- our mission uh, by baptizing. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, whether it's from the pulpit 
whether it's in our growth groups, in our Sunday morning classes, or in conversations about faith that we have in passing. I believe that we are called to be a church that preaches and shares the good news of Jesus where the gospel is needed. And we should also be a church that calls people uh, to belief, to repentance, and baptism in Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 39. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, You can follow along on the screen. It says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And then it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. When you read this in context, I call this the opening day of the church. All right, this is really the first time that the church would have gathered um, to hear the gospel preached, to Peter preaching the first sermon on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when he does this, we read about how the hearts of the people were moved. I imagine just a crowd of people hearing this for the first time, and this is their response. What do we do? What do we do? I mean, with, with information like this, with a promise and hope like this, what do we do next? Not knowing what to do, Peter intervened and he said, repent, turn to God, and be baptized. You know, church, in the New Testament, when people place their faith in Jesus, that faith is always followed by Christian baptism. In baptism, we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as we're completely submerged under the water and then raised out of the water into new life in Christ. You know, I was thinking this week about just the different methods and, and things that people choose to to try to apply baptism. And this in no way is, is a knock on any other church or anything like that. But when we read scripture and we see when God talks about baptism, this is a complete submersion underwater. I mean, Jesus' death wasn't sprinkled on him. He was completely buried. And when we make that decision to be baptized, we go completely under. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we come up, we are alive in Christ. We have new life in Jesus. Amen? Christian baptism, as it's demonstrated in God's word, is central to our walk with Jesus. And it's central to the mission of making disciples. I believe that if we're going to be on mission, we have to be a church that remains faithful to the word of God. We have to preach the word of God as it was meant to be preached. So the last command that we're given in our mission to make disciples is to teach. Um, and if, you, if you're taking notes, you can write down, we accomplish our mission by teaching. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. You know, as disciples who are called to make more disciples, we should value the continued spiritual growth of other people. That should be something that is a core value for our church. You know, I was thinking about this 
when I was a kid, I, 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 my parents didn't do this, but a lot of people did, where as you get older, your parents uh, mark your height as you get older. Just a show of hands, how many of you guys did this growing up? Maybe it was for you or for your kids. You, you mark off the different ages and stages that your kids went through. But think about this for a second. What if a baby were three months old and it just completely stopped growing? Or what if that, that same baby grew older and, and it got to seven or eight and it just never grew? I mean, I think collectively, especially if we knew this family, collectively as a church, we would say, how tragic is that? How heartbreaking is that? You know, growing spiritually is, is the same. Growing spiritually is so important to our Christian walk. God has given us his free gift of forgiveness and salvation. And that means that God has freely saved us from the penalty of sin. A penalty that we rightly deserve. And this morning, if you, if you have received God's free gift of salvation, when you die, you'll spend eternity with God. But in the meantime, I believe that we should want to do everything that we can to serve and please God in this life. We should learn to be more like Jesus. Remember, a disciple is someone who, who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. One way we do that is just reading God's word, meditating on God's word, learning to apply God's word in our lives. But notice when I say that, I I didn't say just attending a Bible study or just coming on Sunday morning to hear a sermon. I mean, these are both very important components to our spiritual growth, but there also has to be the application of what we learn. Learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. There's an emphasis on the learn and the live. Yeah, I believe that there's a lot of things that can help us grow spiritually. Uh, we, we, we grow through reading our Bibles. We grow through prayer. We, we grow when we do gather as the church family. We grow whenever God stretches us and we, we learn to give generously. We also grow in our behavior, how God changes us from the inside out and how we live for Jesus in this time and in this place through what we say, what we see, what we hear, how we serve. And I would say this this morning, if you're a new believer, or if you would consider yourself young in the faith, here's a great place to start when it comes to your own spiritual growth. Just simply do what the early Christians did. Do what the early disciples did. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says that all the believers, they devoted themselves, and listen to this, here's what's important to the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And to sharing in meals, that might be my favorite one, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is how the early church would have spent their time together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They valued the teaching of God's word. And church, there is a huge difference today in the church in America from what we see in the Bible People, the early church, they would gather and they valued the preaching and teaching of God's word and the application of that in their own lives. And I'm seeing a huge movement right now in the church that says that church is more about me. Church is more about the experience that I get out of it, more about feeling something. And then you leave and it's no wonder that you feel empty throughout the week. Church was never meant to be that. Church is the gathering of, of God's people, and there should be the value of, of the teaching and preaching of God's word. In fact, you actually don't read one story in Scripture where it talks about people coming together just for an experience. That's not what we see. And I believe that there's a whole generation of young people being led astray right now because that is the gospel that they're being preached. Because what happens when you don't feel it anymore? Does that mean God's not present? Does that mean that God doesn't love you? 
But when we value the preaching and teaching of God's word, when we come together as the church, we're reminded every single week that God does love you. Amen? That he does care about you. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. All of a sudden, it's not so much about the experience. Yes, there will be that. There are emotions involved when you are face-to-face with the God of the universe. When he begins to work and mold your life from the inside out. But, but church, this is, what, this is what the early church valued. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. I think a contemporary word for this is community. A lot of young people say today, I just, man, I want community. <laughs> you know, I can't say it without laughing right now because I got called out on this this week. But they, they, we, we value community. You know, we were created to spend time together, to be in each other's presence. We were never meant to go through this life alone. We should have bi- authentic biblical fellowship, authentic biblical community with other people. They valued sharing meals, and they prayed together. They would bear burdens with one another. They would walk through difficult seasons of life together. Friends, this is really what it means to be the church. And this is a great place to start, especially if you're a new believer. Just just do what the early believers did. The teaching component of the Great Commission is so much more than just hearing a sermon on Sundays. It's about valuing the spiritual growth of all believers, teaching new Christians to live like Jesus, and helping all Christians grow in their faith. You know, many people in the church today believe that the task of sharing our faith is over when someone comes out of the water in baptism. We celebrate that, and we get excited about that, and then we think, well, on to the next one. <laughs> but that's really, that, that's really only the beginning of discipleship. That's the beginning of investing in, these, in, in this individual's life, helping them grow spiritually, discovering their gifts, learning how to serve God and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the way they were created to be. It shouldn't stop with baptism. That should really be the start. So this couldn't be further from the truth. Our, our job of making disciples is only just beginning when someone comes to Christ. In closing today, I want to I tell you a little bit about the way the Apostle Paul saw the mission of making disciples when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 through 15, I think this just sums it up for us. It says that their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You know, God has a mission for us today, a mission to make disciples. And again, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. We're called to be a church that is made up of disciples who make more disciples. And the how behind the mission that God's given us is threefold. We, we go. We go wherever the gospel is needed. We baptize. We call people to believe, repentance, and Christian baptism. And this is really the first step in any person's faith journey. And we teach our job to make disciples, it doesn't stop when a person comes out of the baptistry. We, we help people grow in their walk with the Lord. We do that by teaching them what it means to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us and how we live our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit for God. 
the mission that Jesus has given us, the mission to make disciples, church, is not intangible. It's a tangible mission that was given to the church with you in mind. I want to say this today, that, you know, I I believe that God doesn't want any person sitting on the sidelines when it comes to this mission. God has an active role for you to play. He doesn't want you going through life as a spectator. He wants you to get in the game, actively participating in this greater mission of making disciples. So a good question, I guess, in closing today is this. How can we be involved? If this is a tangible mission, one that's designed with with me in mind, how does God want me to be involved? Well, I would say this. First, pray about it. Maybe go home today and reread the Great Commission and say, okay, God, I see that you call us to make disciples and you want us to go and to baptize and to teach. What is my role in that? How have you called me to, to use the specific gifts that you've given me? Pray about how God can use you here at OCC. The second thing is this. Get connected with a ministry team leader. You know, for a smaller church, man, we've got so many ministries in this church. There's missions, youth, children, worship, uh, people who, who greet on Sunday mornings, a, a fellowship ministry. There's an education ministry, sound and lighting, love local. We've got a, a family, a group of people in the church that, that minister to the homeless in our community. I mean, there, it, it doesn't end. And I guess what I'm saying is this. There is literally a place for every single person. There's a place for you to get plugged in and be involved. So get connected with someone in one of those roles and just ask about how you can be involved. Finally is this, allow God to use you right where you're at. I think too many times we say no uh, to the way the Holy Spirit is prompting us because we feel like we're just not good enough. We feel like maybe I just wouldn't be the right fit for that. I see this so many times in the church. You don't have to become the right kind of person before God can use you. In fact, I've often seen that it's when we say yes to God using us that he begins to show us our significance and who we were created to be in Christ. And that happens through serving. You might not be cut out to serve in children's ministry for the rest of time, but that might be where you start. You know, you start and allow God to mold you and use you as you minister to those kids. You might not be called to go on mission trips the rest of your life, but maybe right now God is saying, hey, I want you to just, I want you to go. I want you to see what I can do in and through your life through this experience. Just because you start somewhere doesn't mean you have to end up there. You might start as a greeter, and then you might make your way to the praise team. The point is this. Don't let that be an excuse for not serving. God can use you and wants to use you right where you're at. It's often through serving that God changes a person from the inside out. So church, as we we conclude our Easter series this year, My charge is this, that we would be a church who takes our mission seriously. If you're already serving, amazing. Continue to serve. Continue to allow God to use you in that way. But if you're here today and you would say, you know, I've been more of a spectator for a while. I've just been coming on Sundays and and, and then going home. And and God's calling you to something a a little bit greater than that. It's time to say yes. It's time to get in the game. Allow God to use you right where you're at to make a difference in the lives of others for Christ. Be a kingdom worker. Let's take our mission seriously.